when they interviewed women, they found that women women thought that if if there was a lot of texting happening, that the relationship was going well. Oh my god, we talk oh, about this all the time. Texting means nothing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host Erica. Erica, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I had a great birthday. Great little birthday weekend. It looked amazing. It was really, uh, truly fun. And especially for, and this is not a knock to anyone because this is this is how I like to do my birthdays, is not a lot of planning. I don't like yep. a crazy amount of planning. Like similar to a bachelorette party, my opinion is just a few things, you know, on the calendar scheduled. You get the reservations in for food. And then uh, I just want to chill. I just want to chill out. Like, I love it's it. funny. We actually saw a bunch of, I went to Palm Springs for the weekend to visit uh, my homie Karina. And Rourke came. And my childhood best friend Jordan lives in LA. So she also came. So it's fun on a few accounts of like everybody meeting everybody. So it's like all your friends are now becoming friends. So that's always exciting. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's almost like my version of a double date, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess. Um so that was super fun. And uh, it also, during the weekend, we kept seeing a few different bachelorettes out. We'd just be out and some like bachelorette group would show up. And listen, this is not to knock you if you had your bachelorette in Palm Springs. But I was sitting there like, <laughs> if I was having it in Palm Springs, it's like an ultimate chill time to me. It's yes, chilling by the pool. Maybe we do like a, you know, casual, nice hike. But, but a lot of chill time because it's not... It's not, you know, a party party town. It's not a Miami. It's not a, you know, Cancun. I don't know what, what other places. No, not at all. The Nashville. average age is very high. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, you just, it's, I'll be honest, you almost kind of felt bad. You were like, are you guys looking for a party vibe? Or did you just want like a good restaurant? Because <laughs> the one restaurant we went to, we, you know, you sit down, we're having a great time. And we hear this girl go over to another table and be like, I'm so sorry. Da, da, da. And then immediately we're playing detective of what's going on. And then we figure Why out it's sorry? a bachelorette. It's a bachelorette of like 12 people and it got split in three tables of four. Oh. And hilarious. I was like, I mean, I wouldn't care that much, you know? I'd be like, ah, oh, whatever. It's a cool restaurant. We'll eat and we'll go do something. Um, yeah. But yeah, but even the place we we're in, we we're like, yeah, this is, you can't do big groups here, you know? Just shit like that. Yeah, it's definitely definitely not a party town. No, it's not a party party town. So if anything, I was like, yeah, I, I like it. But I was like, shit, maybe, maybe that's where I'll end up going because it was a uh, very relaxing, and uh, I had a great time, great birthday. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice nice little flavorful drink that is a little, little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the recess watermelon mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail like i put it in a coupe glass feel it all fancy garnish it with a little sprig of mint it is delicious and my favorite is the recess ginger lime mule i'm a ginger gal and what i love also not too sweet perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat 
They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Well, it sounds like an amazing weekend. It looked very relaxing. Yeah, really, honestly, perfect birthday weekend. Really got to chill out. It also worked out well with the timing of getting my mattress into town because I'm in LA and setting up my room, so it, it all worked out pretty perfectly, so I'm very, I'm very happy, and uh I'm recording to you live from my new kitchen in LA. I love it. Yeah. Very excited. So my room, new roommate Kelsey has been really awesome and really helpful. So, so, so far I've been like, what the hell is I doing in New York? This is great. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. <laughs> and you knew Kelsey beforehand, right? Yeah. I met Kelsey a couple years ago and then every time I'd be in LA, we would, um, she'd usually like, come to the show or we just hang out for a little bit here and there. So it really worked out. She had an open room and, She's a she started dating a guy distance, so there's kind of this combo of she'll be gone a few days at a time, and then obviously with comedy, I have the opposite schedule of usually anyone I live with, so uh, we're pretty not even in each other's way (laughs) at all. So that's nice. Yeah, but it's been great. It's been really nice. So uh, what's new with you? I know uh, you were packing with updates last week. So what's the I have I have more updates this week. Um, so the publicist and I are still going strong. Oh, going strong. Okay. We going steady. What's going, going on? No, 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 no. We're not going steady. <laughs> um, no, I do. I am not wearing his letterman's jacket at this juncture. Um, no. So we had both our second and our third date since our last recording. Oh yeah. You already set up the second. So we haven't heard about that. So exactly. Hit me. Exactly. So First thing I want to say is that just going back to the first date that we talked about last week, a really good call out came out, came up in our Discord and our Patreon that like we talked about it briefly in the episode about how it was certainly not best practice for me to invite him to my apartment, a mm-hmm. stranger. And I just want to like reemphasize that like there's absolutely a safety concern with that. And, you know, we were, it's kind of like one of those, like, after the fact laughing about it things, but like, it is serious that that is a safety concern. It was not a good idea. In hindsight, obviously, it was fine, but it it very much might not have been. And so I do want to acknowledge that, like, that, that isn't something that I really want to do going forward, assuming that I go on additional first dates with other people. Yeah. I mean, obviously... We all know from our own dating experiences of uh, it's much easier to see the problem or the issue in someone else's date and story as opposed to when you're telling your own story, obviously. Right. And we all go based on our instincts with everything. Um, yeah. And, and then last episode, I also didn't mean to like joke about it. I was kind of that was my way of kind of politely pointing it out to you of like, no, totally. Oh, this uh, this actually isn't the best uh, move. You no, know? and you're right. Uh, yeah, and I and I was like, oh yeah, that. And when I was kind of reflecting on it, even when it was happening, and I was like, you know, at that point, like laughing as a defense mechanism, I guess. Right. But in doing that, made light of you know unintentionally made light of an actual safety concern. So I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that because it was a very very fair call out um, that one of our patrons made. Right. For sure. So safety first, everyone. Sometimes safety we're not first. sometimes we're not the best practicers of that either. So we've all made that mistake. I can I share this? This is a move someone pulled on me, but now it's like I know it's a move. Of oh, a guy once walked thing. me. Yes. Did I talk about that on here? 
You told me. I'm not sure if you've mentioned it on the pod. Okay. I had a guy walk me home after a date and I said, you can walk me home, but I'm not going to invite you up. And then upon getting to my apartment, he said, oh, can I use your bathroom real quick? I really have to use your bathroom. And I did like have that no instinct. other bathroom. <laughs> and I did have that instinct, dude, of like, this feels like kind of a move or also a violation mm-hmm. of what I said of I'm not inviting you up. Right. And even in it, I remember, and I had a doorman at the time, and I wish I said something to the doorman, like joking, but not joking of if this guy's not back down here in five minutes, like come up to my apartment. Call me. Yeah. Call me something. Right. Like, but ultimately I was also new to that apartment. I didn't realize there was a bar around the corner that I could have been like, yeah, go to that bar. But it was a very live and learn situation. I thankfully nothing happened, but I did have that gut feeling of like, this feels not great even though the whole date i was comfortable and didn't assume this was you know a horrible person based on their actions but there is that just that little line where you're like oh yeah i am i did put myself in a situation that wasn't as safe and i realized it after the fact so i also don't say that lightly and it's it's something that it's unfortunate that i through my life i've been like oh i didn't realize how lucky i was that i had never been in a situation that things moved in that direction absolutely And and I I have been in those situations, but in my life, in my experience, they've actually been from people that I knew. Well, that's another sad truth. Yeah. With a lot of things in life, unfortunately, it is sometimes more likely to happen with someone that you do know. And sometimes, though, that that is because our guard is down more as well. Totally. And you feel more comfortable. So, but appreciate people calling that out because they are right on that one, for sure. Yes, you're 100%. 100% right. Um... So I actually told him that today. Yeah. I was like, yeah, somebody said this and they're like, really right. And obviously you're not like you, you were not an unsafe person, but like, I didn't know that. And he was like, yeah, no, that's really true. Like he, like we had like actually a good conversation about it today via text. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty. uh, I mean, we'll get to it in the episode. We talked to Mimi about, uh, you know, getting to more uh, intimate kind of topics via text. Very true. So, so you got to update us on what's happening before all this. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 You've uh, moved, uh, moving along here. Yeah. Things are going well. So, um, last episode we had our second date scheduled, but we hadn't been on it yet. So that date we went to the Brooklyn Botanical Garden, walked around for like an hour and he's a member there and goes kind of frequently. So that was kind of cool because I'd never been. And so he was like showing me his favorite places there. I mean, it's huge. Um, Mm. Something that I didn't even know they had there. I feel like a, a an idiot living in Brooklyn for this long and never having been there. But they have greenhouses of different climates. Like you walk into one and it's the desert greenhouse and it's like hot and dry in there. And then you walk into another one and it's the rainforest and it's like humid as hell. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It, it's very cool. I had no idea. Oh. Um. So that was really cool. And we like wandered around and like fangirled over all the plants and the flowers and stuff. And then he had given me three options for dinner. I picked the prefix um, at this like fancy restaurant that the infatuation raves about. We went. It's called Axalis, um, which is – it's like walking distance from the park. Just insanely good. So good. Love it. Oh, my God. It was like – so it's a prefix and there was two options per course. And so we just got all of the options so that we could share everything. Love it. A sharer. Love it. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a sharer. And I talked about this on the Patreon already, but it was it was very cool. 
to share like in his words food joy with someone else Mm, like we okay. were both like our minds were blown by some of the dishes and the different flavor combinations that we'd never had before and like experiencing that with someone it, it was really cool oh i love that well how'd that data how'd that data end so well so before that one of the things that i just wanted to ne- like say that i really appreciate about him is that you know i'm like really into words words of affirmation no, just generally words, vocab. Like okay. I like cool words. I like like learning the history of words, like etymology, that kind of thing. He also is, and he's really intentional about the words that he uses. Okay. And I, I really appreciate that about him. Do you have an example so, of something he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something that I said, but then – so he sneezed. I said, bless you like you do. And yeah. then I immediately said, actually, gesundheit, because one of the things that I'm working on personally is switching from saying bless you to gesundheit. Okay. Is it because it's and, supposed to be God bless you? Yeah. And I don't believe in God. So it feels like I want to oh, move okay. to something. I want I want to move to like a secular way of saying it. Yeah. Can I interrupt your word uh, nerd for a science nerd fact? Sh- sure. Okay. The reason you say God bless you when people sneeze is because when you sneeze, you skip a heartbeat. Oh, interesting. So, it's so like, that's why people started saying God bless you. It's like, oh, you lived. Yeah. You lived. <laughs> <laughs> so, Good job. <laughs> not saying you're wrong to not say God bless you, but I thought that was a fun fact I found out years ago. I was like, oh, that is wow. a fun fact. Okay. Yeah, Gesundheit literally means, I think it means like to your good health. So it's similar. So um, probably a similar, yeah. Yeah, reason. So anyway, I said that. I said, I said like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to switch to use Gesundheit. He asked why. And I said what I just said to you. And he leaned over and kissed me and said like, I love that you're so – he said like, I love that you're so thoughtful about the words that you choose. Interesting. And wow. I had okay. never – I've never had anybody appreciate that really specific thing about me. Like it was – it felt like such a specific compliment. Yeah. That is very specific. Yeah, it's such a specific. It was such a specific compliment, and I appreciated it so much because it's like not only did he notice this thing about me that I really like about myself, like that's something that like I like, but then he also went out of his way to say something about it and compliment me on it. I just really liked that. That is very sweet. That's also a you know same kind of weird thing a little bit. Uh huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very much. Yeah. Oh. And I think I mentioned this last week that like we are the same kind of weird in a lot of different ways. We're, we're different in, in ways too, but there are like weird idiosyncrasies that we have in common that I think is, is kind of cool. Um, so that was our second date. And at the end of that date, I got a lift. He was, I think, city biking home or something. And so he was waiting for my car with me. And he asked me, you know, what are you up to in the next week? You know, when can I see you again? Pulled up my hand dandy calendar like I do. Um, and I discovered that I did not have a free evening in the next week. Mm-hmm. And so I then evaluated my calendar to determine which existing activity might make sense to invite him to. Okay, fair. And I decided to invite him to a turtle racing event that a couple of friends and I were going to on Sunday. I did not know this was turtle racing. 
<laughs> yep. That you were going to. <laughs> yep. Okay. How did how did he feel about the turtle race? <laughs> he was surprised but excited, which is the same way that I felt when Cindy Cindy had found this bar. It's called Turtles All the Way Down. It's in Bedsty. And they do turtle races on the first Sunday of every month. And so we've been this has been planned for like a month since we discovered that okay. that's what they do. Yeah. And a couple other friends were coming too. And so I was like, I, I'm going to this turtle racing thing on Sunday with some friends if you want to join. And he said yes. How did he go with meeting the friends? How, what did the friends think? It was great. It was very low key. Like I, I really have never put that much stock in somebody meeting my friends. Like I enjoy it. I like mixing groups, but I've never thought about it like this big deal i guess mm-hmm. um that said obviously if they didn't like him that would have been a problem <laughs> right yeah i mean to go back to the inviting thing i used to be kind of i don't know if it's like a play it cool move that you're like don't invite them too soon to meet the friends yeah. but i actually think it's great to meet someone's friends early on because actually as mimi references in the episode birds of a feather flock together And I think people are very telling of the company they keep is one part, but two, it's also, you know, just more of a look into who they are and you also might see them kind of being more comfortable and loosened up. Uh, That being said, it's like, look, if I invited someone and they said, I think it might, it's a little too soon for me to come to that, especially in your scenario, you're like, look, this is, I'm really booked up, but, but I'm going to this thing with my friends and you're welcome to come. This is the perfect in between to invite somebody. Yeah, and I would have absolutely understood if he didn't want to or like right. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And I also threw out like, "Hey, we can go to this thing, and then we can get dinner after, like just the two of us." So like then turn it into a date. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So So, not the not the leaving anxiety of like, and then they're all gonna talk about me. (laughs) Oh God! Yeah, (laughs) I'm the new person. Yeah. So yeah, he came. We had a great time. It ended up being me, him, Cindy, and one other friend of ours. We had a lot of fun. So they. They have these turtles at this bar and Cindy, I already knew when I asked her this question that she would have done this research, did a like research into the bar to make sure that these turtles are like really well taken care of and like treasured. Oh my God, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's like the last thing we want is to get involved with something, Yeah, you know, shady yeah, as animal lovers. cockfight or something in the back. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing like that. In fact, they were, there were so many rules in place to like protect the turtles. Uh, but what we ended up doing is that the publicist and I – so you buy you buy tickets to like bet on one turtle or the other turtle. So the mm-hmm. publicist and I bought tickets for one turtle. Cindy and our other friend bought tickets for a different turtle. So then we were like competing against each other. Yeah, fun. So it was very fun. We had a great time. And then we went to dinner after, just the two of us. So we did get that like, you know, datey thing involved. Yeah, one-on-one and time. Yeah, exactly. That one-on-one time. Um, and he got a good report card. In fact... Before I even knew about it, I did not notice this because I really wasn't checking my phone, but my group chat already had a review of him and it was good. Yeah. Um, Just that he was really nice. Like nothing, you know, in depth Um, and a sneaky pick of us. Okay. A sneaky pick? A sneaky pick. Oh, wow. Paparazzi. Um, Which I love. I love a sneaky pick. Also, speaking of that. When this week, when I post my date recap of this third date, all of the videos taken at the bar were taken on his phone because his camera is better than mine. And he insisted on taking the videos for me of for my date recap. 
Really? So wait, he knows yes. about the date recap. This is the one thing yep. we were like, there weren't any recent deep date recaps. So he did no, he deep knows. dive. So he knows. No, I told him. No, no, no. I told him. Oh, you told him. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is nice. That's like a hurdle you don't even have to worry about anymore. It's great. And he offered. So there was one part, there was one point when we were like, we were like craning our necks to be able to see the first turtle race. And he basically just like held up his arm with his phone to video it for us. And then he was like, actually, like I could just do all the videos and I'll send them to you because his camera is like significantly better than mine. He, he has an Android. Uh, that is that is the plus side of the Androids. Okay. Everybody yeah. hates on the green text, but the cameras on that or the Google phone. He's oh got my me God. in WhatsApp now. I am I am in WhatsApp talking to this man. Wow. Look at you. You're really yeah. converted. I know. Well. Talking to him. Converting. What a lot yeah, of time. That's, yeah, one one step at a time. Um so anyway, so that was really great. Dinner was great. And then before we finished dinner, we were talking about cooking. I think I was telling him about how I had done the one cooking video before and I wanted to do more and he likes to mm-hmm. cook. And so for our fourth date, he invited me over for him to cook me dinner. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Me too. And I'm going to make an appetizer. So we're like kind of collaborating. Okay. Are you like, you're bringing the ingredients for the app? He brings the main course. Fun. I like that. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, I have a question though. Yeah. Didn't you have another date this week or no? I did have another date. It was a coffee date. I didn't even give him a nickname. Did did he doesn't need one there won't be another date um this is the other guy that i had met on tinder the one that i wasn't sure right. how tall he was going to be it was like the first guy i was going out with that i wasn't sure how tall he was going to be wait was he taller or no no he wasn't but unrelated to that we are not compatible people i honestly felt like our coffee date which was happening at 8 a.m was a stand-up comedy routine oh like you were watching a stand-up comedy routine correct they were in performance mode. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think I spent a lot of time on the date trying to determine whether he was just nervous. And mm-hmm. there were like a couple other things that happened on the date where that are like makes me think we're not compatible. Also, he's really allergic to cats. It was just like a bunch of different things where I was like, I just don't yeah. think this is my person. That's tough. That's really yeah. tough. Very nice. Like super nice guy. But I was just like, I we're just like our energies are not compatible and also my cats will kill you. So like we probably just, <laughs> we're fine. Did, uh, were there any texting after or was it a mutual? No. Nobody said anything. Mutual opt out. Yeah. Which yeah. by the way, a, a listener messaged me that we should start calling that a moo. A moo? A mutual opt out. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> moo. Mutual opt out. Maybe. I feel like a, like a hard letter at the end would be better. Yeah. You're probably right. It needs to have an ending. Yeah. But so, maybe not. Maybe not because a mutual opt out doesn't actually have a hard ending. It's actually so kind of like, it just feels like, moo. Like, <laughs> like we're in the distance. <laughs> we both did that at the same <laughs> Maybe. It's just a faraway cow. <laughs> you just fade yourself out. And then he went away. He went moo. Moo. Um, like that. <laughs> some mic, some so mic anyway, tricks for y'all. Food for thought. Um, no, but what about the chaotic guy? So well, I haven't gone out with him yet. I'm going out with him this week. Oh, so that's already scouted. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this was, cause you're already on almost day four with the other guy and you know, mm-hmm. he knows your stuff, right? Or he looked it up or is that Mr. Chaotic that looked it up? He does. 
He does. So how are you going to navigate essentially posting other dates while you are currently on, you know, date four with another person? I mean, that happened last year and I just did it. Yeah. And it's like, so the publicist knows about the account, knows what it's called, et cetera, doesn't look at it. Okay. I got you. He's just, he's on board, but he, okay, got it. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not like a big social media guy. He like specifically has said like, eh, I don't need to look at it. Like he's very supportive, but he doesn't need to look at it. So I don't think he will even know. Okay. But Mr. Chaotic looked up your account because of the mutual friend. This past week, Mr. Chaotic told me, he's like, I have a confession. Cassidy told me about your Instagram. I looked it up. He was very complimentary. He was like, you're really fun to watch. But you pointed out on the Patreon that I haven't posted a date recap in a while. You haven't. You officially posted one today. I so did I'm post one today. So I'm curious if he will say anything. Yeah. I kind of think it's weirdly a good thing. Of I'm with you. I think it lets people know, hey, there's a little competition. And I think, oddly, guys kind of <laughs> like that. Of uh, It'll either make them not necessarily step up their game more, but just like, oh, okay. They're seeing other people. It almost lets them know where they stand a little bit. Uh, but it also gives them the opportunity, if they really want to see you exclusively, they have a reason to bring it up. True. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the way that I've operated in the past, like when this, so last year I was dating the Disco Ball, the journalist, and the Comeback Kid, all were happening at the same time. I remember that. Yeah. And, and I just kind of navigated it like they weren't there. Like they weren't on my account, even though I know that they were. Okay. And none of them ever brought it up to you. The Disco Ball and I talked about it. Okay. But neither the of the other two. Because as of right now, this is the most anyone I feel like has talked to you about your account. Yeah. This up, early. up This early, yeah. The Disco Ball and I eventually like talked about it a decent amount. Um, I told the publicist his nickname on our third date yesterday. He thought it was hilarious. Okay. Because it's not – he's not a publicist. Spoiler alert, he's not a publicist. But like he knew right. he knew immediately the reason why I called him that. The reference, for sure. Um, yeah, he knew the reference. Um, so anyway, so yeah, we'll see. Um, so I'm going out with Mr. Chaotic tomorrow. Um, I also had my first Bumble BFF date this past weekend. Oh, how'd it go? It was good. It was like, I, she's very nice and we had a nice time. I don't know that we're going to be best friends. Well, it's only your first date. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing that. I actually talked to the publicist about it because our, my date with him was later that day. We've talked about this on the pod before that if you are looking for a monogamous relationship, you're looking for one person. So mm-hmm. it feels like it's not as harsh to say, I don't think you're that one person as it is to say, I could have an infinite number of friends, but not you. You know what else is interesting? It's like, how many dates should you give a guy? To see if the attraction's there. Mm. Now we're talking friendship. How many hangouts do you give to be like, do we really vibe on a friend level? You know? Because you got to have a little sympathy of like, still is a little nerve wracking. It's a stranger you've never met, right? Yeah. Or I would go on that that Bumble BFF date. I feel like I would almost ask the questions I ask on dates. (laughs) And then I'd be in my head like, 
are they going to know these are date questions? <laughs> like, I mean, you, you kind of do ask the same questions because a lot of the shit is like getting to know you. What do you do for work? How long have you lived in New York? Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. She she met her husband on Tinder while he was traveling in her country. And then they were long distance oh. until they got married. Yeah. Fascinating story. Um, so we talked a lot about that. She's really nice. I don't know. We'll see. I definitely want to yeah. go on on more outings, try to make more, you know, closer neighborhood friends, like I was saying. Um, and then I have one other update. And that is that I met a cute guy in person. Oh, in real life. What's in up? In real Where? life at the volleyball tournament that I played on Saturday. Why haven't you invited me to your volleyball tournaments? <laughs> this is the first time okay. that I've met a cute guy at one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not even in New York, but so yeah. Oh, okay, no, wait a you, you don't him? even live here. Hold on, you left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, invite me over here. That's uh, the reason. Um, so this tournament actually came up because remember how I was talking about how I want to like try to do more activities. Yeah. Obviously, this is volleyball, which you might be thinking you already did that activity. Yes, but this is, was a recreational sand tournament. That I, in the past, would have said no to playing in. Okay. So it was almost like pickup. Like pickup basketball, pickup volleyball. Yes. More spur of the moment, a one-day thing. Yes. Like, okay. it was an organized tournament, but it was run, it's run by this company called Big City. It was, they run, like, lower level, like, not as, like, highly, highly competitive. Like, it's more like a beer league, put it that way. Okay. Got it. I also was going to say it's also local. So yep. you're getting more local people of Brooklyn, I would assume. Totally. Um, and so in the past, I have said no to those types of tournaments because I just haven't in the past have had as much fun playing in those types of tournaments. Okay. I said yes. I went. I played with three of my guy friends. We ended up winning the tournament, which was fun. Um, but a guy on another team. So a, a bunch of our friends were also playing in the tournament. And one of our friends was playing with a guy that I'd never met before. And he was very cute. And mm. I don't I don't know that much about him. So I don't even know if he's single. But he's from California. So like he and I were kind of chatting. And he was asking like I, – so I had kind of like wandered over to stand near where their team was and talk to her a little bit. And I started like – as I was talking to her, I mentioned something about home and San Diego. And then he piped in and was like, oh, you're from California. I'm from such and such town. And then he like kept engaging me and asking me questions. And then we ended up like in a whole conversation. I was like, yeah, okay. that's the sign that they're Yeah, I was like, this, guy, this guy's interested in, in like getting to know me more. And then the end of the tournament, he and I were the only two walking to a particular train. And so we walked for like 20 minutes, just the two of us. Oh, okay. And like talked the whole time. And then when we parted ways for, you know, him to go on his train, me to go on mine, we had talked about the fact that my friends and I set up grass nets in a park on Friday afternoons once we have summer Fridays. And he had expressed interest in going. So I told him that I would get his number. His train was coming and I was like, oh, you go. I'm going to get your number from our mutual friend. Mutual friend. And I'll let okay. you know when we're going to set up nets. Cute. Okay. Yeah. But then you got the number, text him, and then he asked you out? Well, we're we're fast forwarding way ahead. <laughs> wait. Well, I don't know. I'm like, wait, what's, where's, but a date is set, right? So I'm like, where's the date? No, no, no. There's no date. 
Oh, there's no date. Oh, okay. No, there's no date. You got the guy's number. Okay, you met a cute guy. Sorry. My I bad. met a cute guy. That's as far as we've gotten. <laughs> I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun. My bad. I got excited. I, I know. I'm excited too. I did get his number. So I texted my friend yesterday. This all happened two days ago also, by the way. This whole tournament oh, okay. happened two days ago. So texted my friend yesterday, got his number, and going to text him maybe tomorrow? I don't know. I don't actually have another time when we're going to set up yet, but I don't want to wait too long after we met to like establish contact. No. Don't lose momentum. So now, now yeah. my question is, would you be like, any chance you'd want to get a drink before? Like, I don't know the next time I'm setting up the courts yet. However, I really had a nice time talking to you. Any chance you want to get a drink sometime? Ooh, I just got real nervous in my chest when you said that. What? What? That's a, that's a great that's a great text. Oh, I didn't say it wasn't a good text. It just makes me anxious. It does really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why not? I don't know. I get nervous. I mean, I think it's he clearly was showing interest. I agree. That's a great thing to do. But I was just like, ah. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I forgot. I got the number of a one of our servers in Palm Beach. Ooh, that's he was fun. being like flirty with me. Ooh, yeah, I, I got two that. free birthday desserts, buddy. Oh, hell yeah. Up to my game. And then I left my number on the bill. So, Did he text you? Yeah, he did. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, but it was our last night. We were chilling at the house. So, uh, But I, I said, I said, my friend lives here. He she lives keeps telling me I got to come back. So, I love that. Oh, my gosh. All right, we need maybe I'll updates. come back. We need more updates from So Pumpy shoot your shot. Do the it. Thing, the thing that I think makes me specifically nervous is I don't even know if he's single. Like, he could just be nice. And so... I don't right, well. I don't really want to suggest a one-on-one date out out the gate without okay. even knowing if this dude is single. All right. Well, you said you're going to text him. What are you going to text him? About the I'm <laughs> You said well, you can't you're not setting up the court soon. Well, but but I could still but I could still text him. To, I don't so I don't know if we're setting up on Friday yet. I don't know for sure that we're not. But what I was thinking that I would do is just text him to be like, so that he has my number also and yeah. say like, I don't know yet if we're setting up on Friday, but like, I'll let you know, like, how was the rest of your weekend? Just establish contact. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe I came in too hot. Well, that, that's not, not a bad, it's not a bad approach. I just don't know. I don't even know if this is a dating scenario yet. This is the tricky thing about meeting people in person. I mean, I feel like it is. I don't, I don't know. know. I also wasn't sure how old he is. I said to Cindy, Cindy came over later that day, and I said to her, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this man was, like, 24 or 37. Like, I would believe any age. I truly have no idea how old he is. And so we did a little bit of research, and he is significantly younger than me. He's not 24, but he's, he's younger than me. Are you still open to it? Yeah, I think so. I mean... I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, tell him someone's about to cook you dinner on a fourth date. You better hustle. <laughs> <laughs> you better move it. You know, I'm like, listen, I don't, I don't know when we're setting nets up, but I am getting cooked dinner for a fourth date tomorrow. So what are you doing? Yeah, or just send him your TikTok. Be like, subscribe to this. <laughs> got competition, buddy. <laughs> you, you and those younger knees need to need to move it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, oh, and I decided that we're going to call him Wolverine. Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. What is it? What does he have? A hairy chest or something? <laughs> sure. He's got claws, <laughs> obviously. 
<laughs> yeah. It's a reference right. to something. It's a reference to something that happened that day. Okay. Um right. so Wolverine. yeah, so we've got a couple different people in the mix. We, we got shall a lot. see. When it rains it pours, baby. So yeah, I I have a lot going on. But we mentioned up top that we've already actually done our interview for this week with Dr. Mimi Winsberg, who wrote Speaking in Thumbs which is a book all about text communication and so much data behind the way that we text. It's a great interview. I've been meaning to get Mimi on, so I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, I think everyone will really enjoy this conversation. And uh, I don't see how you're not going to have a few takeaways from everything she's found. But definitely check out her book, Speaking in Thumbs. It's great. I have it. I read it. And uh, without further ado, let's get to Dr. Mimi Winsberg, baby. Let's do it. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And we are back with Mimi. Hi, Mimi. Welcome to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Thanks so much for having me here. It's great to be here. We're so excited to have you on. Uh, you recently wrote a book called Speaking in Thumbs, and we came across it and we were like, we got to get her on the show. We got to get her on to talk communicating in the digital world, essentially. And it's kind of perfect timing because we just did an episode about dating app fatigue, and a lot of it comes from the communicating. Yeah. Well, that that was my hope in in writing the book, of course, was to take some of the anxiety out of the process for people because it, it partly it's fatiguing because people have a lot of anxiety around it. And so by giving people some tools about what, how to interpret texts and maybe how to up, up their own game in terms of texting, I hope to reduce anxiety. I love it. I think that like so much of the anxiety that we have that goes into texting or writing anything, there's like two pieces of it. There's what are we going to say? And then there's actually going to do it and bringing yourself to say the thing. So it's so helpful to have kind of, you know, somebody in your corner helping you with that. Thanks. It's, um, you know, hopefully it's, it's helpful for people. I, I, I don't think that, um, it's great to take a proscriptive approach where you're telling people exactly what to do, but I, I hope to give people some tools to help them, you know, figure out what works for them and to find the person that is best for them. I love that. 
uh, we're going to dive more into your book. But first, we do a little poll every week and we try to pick something relevant to the topic. So I know you did a lot of research for your book. And okay, so the poll we did for this week is women like texting more than men do. Is it a myth or not a myth? So what do you what do you think the people said, Mimi? I'm guessing people said it's real. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I got. I assumed as well going in that people, especially just knowing our audience is largely women. So there's also some like answer bias there. But I assumed that that was going to be the case when I went in. And it was. What percentage did you get split? 63% of my audience said that's real. Yeah. So what the research shows is that um, women text more volume than men do. So men get really overwhelmed by long texts. It's it's a actually a ridiculously low number of characters that sends men over the top in terms of getting overwhelmed. So one piece of advice I give women is keep your texts short. Um, it's it's easy to scare somebody with a long text. It's funny that you say that because last week, so we did a dating app fatigue episode a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we did an episode on lessons we learned in our 20s. Eric and I are both in our 30s. So we did an episode about, you know, things we learned, things we wish we knew in our 20s. And we had listeners submit and one listener submitted, don't send the paragraph. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of like a really long paragraph is, as I say in the book, it's kind of the equivalent of a face tattoo. I love that. Which is some which people is, might like it, but it's like it's a lot, you know. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because so sixty sixty three percent of people said, yeah, that that's true. That's not a myth. Though a lot of people who wrote in that said it that said it is a myth because they probably have more personal experience with men that like to text more because I do think there are some. So I think then you kind of like get into those, well, I know this one guy, but if I think overall, even just in my friends, about like the amount that my – the women that I'm friends with are texting versus the amount the guys I'm friends with are texting is very different. Well, so these things are, of course, important when you're talking with a stranger and you have to make some assumptions about how they're going to receive your communications when you don't know anything about them. I think once you know somebody's texting patterns and you know that they really like texting or that they um, they give good text, you know, then I think <laughs> you can you can meet um, you can meet them where they are. And part of this, you know, part of the the secret language of texting really is it parallels what we do in person. So when you're talking to somebody in person, you if you like them, you naturally mirror them. You naturally mimic their pace, their style, even their body language. You'll find yourself if you're talking to somebody you know, at a bar or at a party, you'll, you'll mimic their body language when you're talking to them if you're really interested in them. And we do this with our, our, the way we communicate verbally too. And so um, the same thing happens over text. If you know somebody, you know their style, you know, match their style, give them what they like. But if you're talking to a stranger and you don't know anything about them, I think it's a safer bet to assume that men like short texts. For like playing the law of averages? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this brings up an interesting thing that comes up a lot on our podcast is, you know, texting styles, right? Sometimes people will say, oh, they're just a bad texter or all these different things. Do you think that texting style 
is a fair deal breaker in a relationship? Yeah, well, I would say communication style is a deal breaker in a relationship. I mean, that that because uh, because a relationship is founded on good communication, you know, if you really can't communicate with your partner, that should give you pause as to whether this is really the right relationship for you. And so by extension, um, texting may be a proxy for that, right? Now, if they can find all sorts of other great ways to communicate, outside of text messages, fine. But if it's a proxy and you're just finding actually it's a communication problem, then I would say, yeah, ask yourself what is good about this relationship if we are not communicating effectively. Yeah. I like that. I really like that. So a little bit of background for our listeners. Uh, you have been a psychiatrist for 25 years and three of them included working at Facebook as a resident psychiatrist. Correct. That's right. Yeah, I was I was uh, working with the employees there. So I'm really curious, especially working at Facebook, one of the leads in social media and technology, through your work overall in the past 25 years, what would you say are the biggest changes you've noticed in how we communicate? Well, I think communication has really migrated over the years from being uh, mostly synchronous to now mostly asynchronous. So um, we've gradually adopted asynchronous tools, but texting began, as you guys know, in 2007. And um, now it's like the, the, the primary way we communicate with people. It's really the dominant form of communication. And what I argue in the book is that our brains are still catching up to that, you know, that we mm. were wired for more synchronous communication, but we find ourselves practicing asynchronous communication. And the thing about asynchronous is it's super convenient and efficient, but it lacks facial expression and tone and other cues that our brains have for thousands of years evolved to to rely on. And so um, we're still adapting to what does this text mean, you know, and how should I respond to this? And, you know, I joke in the book that here I was working with the Digerati, the the people, you know, the 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 shepherds of the algorithm, the people that that are like uh, leading us you know, through advances in, in, in digital communication. And yet still, um, they have questions about their text messages too. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I was curious was, you know, how often do you feel like your clients are now talking to you about their texting cadence with people and exchanges with people as opposed to, hey, I went out with this person and they said these things on this date. Because even myself, I find myself doing that with my own therapist. I'm like, do you want me to just send you the screenshot? Because I'm just reading it to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that absolutely happens. And and uh, I do. I, I get screenshots all the time. And, and you know, I think that um, people have questions not just about the cadence, of course, of the communications, but the communications themselves and what they represent and what it represents about the relationship in general and communication in the relationship. And so I would say that it's... Um, it's useful in the sense that, and I talk about this in the book, is the text thread, that those screenshots actually give you a real record of what happened. Right. So a lot of time in a session, I'm saying to somebody, well, you know, tell me, tell me about what you guys talked about. And it's their memory of what they talked right. about, right? Naturally and biased. Their, their, biased their biased rendition of what was discussed. Whereas in the text, it's all there, right? So you can see both sides. And it's an, it gives me an ability to point out, well, you know, you didn't give him much of an opening there. Or, um, you know, to hold up the mirror, essentially, in a way that um, sometimes people need help doing. They need to look just to the left of where they're looking or just to the right. And so having that record, I think, is, is interesting. You know, it gives you some objective data points. 
on that note of texting cadence, that's I think if I had to, if I had to say the number one category of questions that we get, it is about communication cadence and either how often we're talking to somebody or how long someone is taking to respond to us during a conversation. What advice do you give people when they come to you and and say that you know there there seems to be a mismatch there? Yeah. Well, this is a source of a lot of anxiety for people because it's no fun to be waiting, you know, for waiting for the call, right? Or waiting for the text. Um, so a couple of thoughts. One is um, people progress uh, down the intimacy highway at different rates, right? People, you know, some people want to take it slow. Some people want to take it fast. And so I think that cadence is reflective of who you're dealing with. And I think it is worth paying attention to as a just one data point among others. Um, it can be annoying um, if you're waiting for a long time for a response, but I think it's equally alarming when somebody is diving in with with complete uh, abandon into a, a new, uh, you know, when they meet somebody and then just suddenly are texting you all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think that I talk about that in the book is I call it instimacy, you know, where it's like too much too soon. And I think that can be a, just as much of a red flag as as the person who's moving at snail's pace. So, you know, I think everybody is trying to get it right um, and um, manage their both excitement and fears around the situation. And let's be real, it, there's excitement and fear. They're both there and they both should be there at first. And so as you're getting to know somebody, this is a dance and you're trying to figure out the right steps and how to match their steps. And, I, and I'd say that's the most important thing here is that, um, you know, you're noticing how the other person is responding and the cadence of their, of their timing and the cadence of their messages. And I would say, try to match, you know, that, that, and be yourself, you know, don't, don't contort yourself into a position that's, that's uncomfortable for you. And if you're doing that, it's probably not the right person, but I think d don't, as you look at the phone screen, it shouldn't look like all the bubbles are on one side of the screen <laughs> and there are no bubbles on the other, you know, think of it as a seesaw where you want to, you want it to even out kind of, you know, you want the weight of those text messages to balance out. And I think on that note of bridge, you know, when you're in a new relationship, you're building a bridge. And so um, you don't want to cart really heavy material over a very flimsy bridge at first. Wait for that bridge to build up before you start to really load it with weight. I like that analogy a lot. My friends and I, back to your point about one side being so heavy, my friends and I used to say that's a lot of blue. Like if you'd like look at a <laughs> screenshot and it's like yeah. all blue yeah. and like iMessage, like, yeah. oh, girl, that's a lot of blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you're in the blue. Yeah. You're in the blue. Deep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you actually have a chapter in your book called Texting Towards Intimacy, which I found really, really interesting because, I mean, especially with online dating, right? Often the number one complaint is like, I don't really feel a real connection with this person yet. So it's hard to be excited from an app and texting to in person, right? But we also have the flip side of there's someone you're interested in and you talk in between. And I think a good question is, you know, how do you get more intimate through texting? How do you ask those questions, you know, that are essentially deal breakers that might scare someone off if you just come in hot? Like, do you want kids? How many people are you dating? Uh, are you really religious? Like, instead of just nailing them with that right away, what advice would you have of basically how do you build 
getting to know someone in that intimacy through the texting world. Yeah. Well, those those questions that you just talked about, that's that's an example of carting heavy material over a flimsy bridge. So I think, you know, you want to wait for the right time and place for that, unless it's just an absolute deal breaker for you where, you know, it's a do not pass go. And then I think it's okay to ask. I mean, some people put this kind of information on their dating profiles, right? Just because yeah. they don't want to go there. So look, all's fair, all's fair. Um, uh, but, but do know that those kinds of conversations are harder before you've established a rapport. In terms of building intimacy over text, what I suggest rather than have ask those, those deal breaker questions, I think those are better asked in person when, when there's more nuance, but, but I think the way to build intimacy over text, it gets into what I talk about in the book, the, the texting love languages. So we've all read about Gary Chapman's love languages, in person, you know, relationship love languages of, um, you know, words of affirmation and acts of service and so forth. Well, I think there are texting love languages too. And, and one way to establish intimacy over text is to, to speak your partner's love language over, over text. And that might be... Um, you know, fun banter if that's what they're into. And so I call that riffing where you, you, you know, you're just sitting down for a good texting session being funny and, and, um, and it's the equivalent of quality time really. And another way might be to check in with them about how things are going throughout their day, you know, see how things are going for them. So that could be another language, love, love language, which I call nudging. Um, some people like spoon feeding where they're giving you, you know, updates of what's going on throughout the day. And some people might like to receive those, some might not. So again, I think it's about knowing who your texting partner is and what they like and how they like to connect. And, you know, maybe they like sexting. Maybe that's how you communicate. So um, figure out what builds intimacy and, and, and build on that love language. How would you suggest finding that out? Because I would imagine most people aren't super aware of how they want to communicate in one of those places. So if you're if you're newly dating somebody, what, how do you navigate that? Well, we all do these a little bit of these things and so I think you figure out what it's like fishing, right? What gets traction, what seems to interest <laughs> the other person. Um and yeah, because we all do all these things, you know, how did that meeting right. go or um um, here I am at the beach or, or, you know, we all, we all do these things. We all share and we all check in and we all sit down and banter. Um, so, you know, figure out what, what they seem to like. And sometimes people just tell you, I'm not much of a texter or, you know, I like it just for practical things or whatever. Do you find that people tend to give the type of text communication or text love languages that they like to receive? Like if somebody's always complimenting you. Right. That's, that's um, that's what's interesting is that that doesn't always map up, right? So no. um, if somebody's an act of, act of service person, it doesn't necessarily mean they like receiving acts of service. It's just what they like to do for someone else. And so, right, yeah, it doesn't always map up. Well, it would have been easier. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can tell what, what people like, you know what I mean? I think yeah. that that's that. You should get some signal as you're as you're getting into a relationship. And again, keep in mind this is the kind of thing that's not happening before your first date or even before your second date. This is the kind of thing that's happening a little farther down the road. Through your research, did you find any questions that you felt were good questions to ask when you're on a dating app and trying to initiate those conversations or just get to know someone better? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is your opportunity to ask questions. So some of the questions that you might be asking on the first date might be able to, might be able to, you might be able to elicit some of the same information you're looking for on that first date. 
and figure it out before you waste the time going out and date, right? And so, um, so I think um, one thing I look for is does the person have a sense of humor? So I tend to test that a little bit. You know, I don't want to date somebody who's not funny or who's not going to make me laugh. Uh, it's just it's such a key part of life for me that um, that I'll test that early on. And if 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 it falls flat or they're not able to be funny, then um, to me that's a little bit of a a little bit of a reason to question why I, I would want to meet them. And then, um, you know, I think you can also see somebody's style of humor, how they use humor. Um, and I break that down in the book in terms of the four types of humor, you know, whether whether they're being affiliative, affiliative with their humor, or whether they're using humor to, you know, put you down or put themselves down. And that the, that's less appealing. Being put down is not a good sign, right? Yeah. Do you have other kind of texting red flags? Or I know in the book you talk about toxic texting. Like what are some examples of that? Yeah. So, I mean, I would distinguish uh, red flags sort of those are early on to toxic texting, I think is like more when you're into it with somebody. But red flags, uh, we talked about one, intimacy, you know, too much too soon or TMI, you know, before you've met them. I think that's a little bit of a red flag. The putting down, you know, negging or whatever you want to call it. I think that's that's another red flag because it, it tends to – these things tend to um, reflect insecure attachment patterns, either insecure avoidant attachment patterns. And so, you know, presumably you are looking for somebody with a more secure attachment style, even if yours yourself is not not secure. One thing I joke about, of course, is that the secures pair off early. So there are a lot of, a lot of like insecure and avoidant types rolling around on dating apps. Um, lying, I give people, uh, tips for spotting liars over text. And, you know, I think, I think again, you don't, nobody wants to be with a liar. That's not really very appealing. So that's a red flag for sure. Um, toxic texting. I think that's more when you start to bump up around the, uh, either conflict or uncomfortable parts of dating. We all will experience as we are getting more intimate with somebody, some anxieties. This is normal. It's, you know, it's, it's rare that somebody won't go through a phase of anxiety as they're getting into a relationship and that anxiety might manifest as, is this person going to be there for me? Or, um, you know, what can I count on for this person for? Or is this person going to take over my life? You know, am I going to be able to maintain my sense of self if I'm in this relationship? So these are the kinds of anxieties that people won't say out loud, but that they tend to feel at least at some subconscious level when they get into relationships. And why I talk about toxic texting, because toxic texting is when that those feelings spill over in uh, not very good communication styles. Uh, Dr. Oh, okay. Dr. John Gottman, who's a, you know, a relationship guru and who, who, created this thing called the love lab where he put couples in the, in the love lab and just watch small snippets of their conversation, predict with remarkable accuracy, whether they will stay together or split up. Um, he coined this term, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And these are negative patterns in communication that, uh, do not bode well for that relationship's long-term future. And, you know, he, he outlines the four horsemen as criticism contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness. And so I think those things can manifest over text too. And so again, you know, talks, things get toxic if somebody's criticizing you predominantly and not, not taking a constructive approach to their feedback, or certainly if they're expressing contempt, that gets nasty quickly. And, and stonewalling is when you sort of are pretending you don't hear the person or defensiveness, you know, brushing off things instead of owning it, um, owning your part in the in the communication 
uh, failure or in the failure of whatever you're discussing. I think other toxic signs are are playing the victim or or blame blaming the villain. You know, taking that sort of black and white approach to um, to seeing uh, seeing a discussion evolve. And and so I give people tools as how to spot those, and then um, more constructive ways to communicate. If you find yourself in these tense situations, or if you find yourself having the normal anxiety feelings that come up as you're getting into a relationship. So managing these times of discomfort, essentially, more gracefully. It's interesting interesting because upon seeing the chapter, I first thought, like, what would I say is my toxic texting habit when I get uh, either anxious or unsure of someone I'm into or whatever, right? And I'm curious if you think this counts as one. Um, You know, you text someone, you're waiting for the text back. They take, let's say, three hours. They text you back, you get it right away. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of instinct in us that says, well, don't answer this right away. Now you look desperate, right? Like mm-hmm. match match their patterns in that way of like, oh no, I also answer three hours later, right? I but I weirdly, busy. yeah, I'm also that busy or whatever. Uh, but I feel like it's toxic in a way of like, well, this person could have just finally checked their message. They have time right now to talk to you. Just answer the message. Yeah. You, know, like, you have time. Right. I have time too. And it's like, okay, they're sitting down now looking at the phone. And I've found just through my own experience, answering it when I see it also just lets me know, are they going to respond right away now? And when they don't, upon me answering them, then that makes me be like, okay, they're doing some sort of toxic behavior or maybe just not that into me, right? Something along those lines. Yeah. And again, this depends so much on what phase of the relationship you're in. And it depends on whether it's a repeated pattern or a one or a two time incident, right? So if it's a repeated pattern and you know, you're know you well into a relationship, then I would say talk to them about it and what's the best way to communicate in these situations. Maybe it's picking up the phone. But um but if it's early on and you don't know the person that well, then I think it's more reflective of, of um, yeah, the pace at which they want to get into things. And that, that's when I think you do want to try to match a little bit more. So ongoing okay. pattern, if you feel like you're really mismatched in that way, that can be a real source of frustration. And, um, and I would say uh, being passive aggressive about it is not, fun- is not a functional response. You know, I'm yeah, just, for oh, sure. you took a long time. Well, I'm going to take a long time too. That's not going to lead anywhere. Good. You know? Oh, I know someone that, uh, I don't know if they still do this, but they would do whatever time it took them to respond. They would double the time before oh, they sent. Oh my God. I mean, you back. see, you follow the, the asymptote <laughs> of that, that curve. Right. And I mean, like, it just, it's not going to go anywhere. Good. It's going to exponentially get you, get you more, more distance and you know why. And plus that's way too much brain power to put into the timing of your response. Yeah. I'm setting an alarm to text you back. Yeah. Yeah. Right now you're, now you're doubling your effort in order to seem like you, you're not putting in effort. Yeah. Yeah, And it's a game, it's a game of who cares least, you know, which, which I mean, what fun is that really? You know, it's boring. That's boring. Can I ask you, Mimi, what would you find were your own maybe toxic texting habits? Did you ever, you know, see some that you were having yourself? Sure. Uh, I I have taught myself to, um, if I'm sending a really sensitive text, like one that I, you know, might, I'm not sure if I'm 
on, on solid ground sending it or whether how the person's going to receive it, read it out loud. Um, because by reading it out loud, you, 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 you hear it the way it's going to sound, you hear it more like the way it's going to sound to somebody else than the way it sounds in your own head. And I think when we're texting, we're very much in our own heads, right? And when we are saying things out loud to somebody and seeing their facial expression and seeing how they respond, it's, it's, it's a different game. And so by saying it out loud, you get a, you can, you can soften something that you might otherwise come across as, as, um, needlessly harsh. I like that. That's a helpful tip. Yeah, totally. I've started thinking about like if somebody wrote into the pod and asked me about this, what would I say to them? Like try to take myself and put myself in a third party spot. Yeah. 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 And the, 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 I think the antidotes as I describe in, in the book, um, speaking of thumbs is that, is that the antidotes to the four horsemen of, of the apocalypse are, things like empathy and curiosity and, um, you know, patience and, and ex- acceptance of who the other person is. So I think if you can bring yourself back to those good practices of communication, that they're good practices, whether you're texting, whether you're talking, whether you're writing an email, but, you know, be curious. What do you mean? Where are you coming from? Um, be respectful of where that person's coming from and accept who they are. You know, maybe you don't accept that that's the relationship you want to be in, but you're accepting of who that person is and their their particular frame of mind at that time. So I'm curious, since, you know, your book is partly about analyzing text from other people. Yeah. Uh, what are some suggestions you can give the listeners when it comes to analyzing texts? Yeah. Um, so hard to sum up really quickly, but I, everything from, you know, I'd say everything from you looking at people's word choice to punctuation to um, to um, overall timing and styles of communication. These things are all revealing about about, um, about a person. Part of why I wrote this book, of course, is that um, when I was you know, working as I have been in behavioral health. I'm, I'm a psychiatrist and I run a, a, a telemental health startup. I'm the chief medical officer for a company called Brightside. And we, we, you know, we're working with people who are depressed and anxious nationally. And we may get messages from people that um, are quite distressed. And, and so, you know, the question is, can you see a signal of whether somebody's depressed or even suicidal from their text message based on their word choices or word pairings? It turns out that signal is actually quite strong and good. And, um, you know, it got me thinking about what else do we see in our written communications and, and, and what other signals can we look at? Can you, can you understand somebody's personality or their attachment style? And these are, of course, useful things to, to have a good sense about when you're, when you're looking for a prospective partner um, on a dating app or when you're early in a relationship and, you know, trying to learn about somebody and learn about what works for them, what doesn't, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. I'm curious if someone, say I'm dating someone and they have a texting habit that is either driving me crazy or I don't like, what would you advise me to do? Would you advise me to address them about it and say, hey, there's this one thing you do, it makes me crazy, like, or it makes my anxiety spiral? Uh, what, what advice would you have for someone in that situation? Because we get so many questions that will be about a specific texting thing that is yeah. an- annoying someone and essentially also usually making them feel like the other person isn't interested. Right. And infringing yeah. on that anxiety. Yeah. Well, you might test the assumption rather than than 
telling them that they need to stop texting you that way. You know, you might test the assumption when you do this, I assume this and, you know, checking in to see if that's actually what you intend. Like this is the story that I'm telling myself when that happens. Yeah, this is the story I'm telling myself. And 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 I think that that's the perfect sentence really. This is the story I'm telling myself because you know, we tell stories as humans. This is what we're really good at. This is where this is where um, you know, we are different than AIs. We tell stories. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, we we tell stories and they're they're sometimes true and they're sometimes false and there's and they're sometimes in between, you know, and and I think part of um, getting into a relationship is we we tell a relationship, we tell a story about that relationship before it's really turned into the story yet. You know, we start telling the stories. And so it's worth checking in to see if those stories are actually accurate. And that's part of the joy of getting to know somebody is to understand what's their story and how do our stories map up and, and are they compatible or not. I like that idea of testing the assumption a lot that rather than just jumping immediately to this is bad, it's like yeah. it's centering yourself and your feelings. Our brains are always looking for shortcuts, right? That's how we that's how we survive in the wild is we find shortcuts. And so um, the the danger of texting is because it's so fast and easy and you have just such a small sample size of data to go off, the danger is to take too many shortcuts. So slowing yourself down and asking yourself, hmm, what am I assuming here? Is it true? Is it not true? And you know, how might I fight test test or fight some of those assumptions that I'm making? And this is this is also the work of therapy too. I mean, this is what we do in therapy with That's people. The what stories this is the story that I'm telling myself is a direct quote from my therapist. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, part of the work of therapy is is um, retelling those mm-hmm. stories in a way that work better for you and the people around you. Do you feel like a lot of times in texting, it's almost, you know, we should give the other person more the benefit of the doubt as opposed to turning to the negative? Do you think that helps at all? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's that's part of the good practices that I outline is, um, is curiosity. So, um, curiosity is about giving the person the benefit of the doubt, seek to understand. Mm-hmm. Now don't do that over and over. Don't be like Charlie Brown, you know, going for the football yeah. every time when it's being pulled <laughs> away, obviously, you know, I think at some point you've collected enough data, right. you can understand what, what is happening. You know, this person does just want to hook up. They're not really interested in a long-term relationship, and you are. So, yeah. you know, I think don't ignore the data that's in front of you, um, but don't don't rush to judgment either. I'm curious. We do love data on the show, and you mentioned the data of men don't yeah. like long text messages from women. Uh, were there any other yeah. was there any other data you found through your research that sticks out to you that you think is very helpful when it comes to dating? So the book is chock full of behavioral health research. I, it's got. Um, you know, it's got uh, 30 pages of references in it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of data in the book if you want to go read it. But a couple things that stood out. um, uh, One study showed that when they interviewed this back to the gender difference, when they, when they interviewed women, they found that women, women thought that if, if there was a lot of texting happening, that the relationship was going well. Oh my God. We talk about this all the time. 
Texting means nothing. Oh, the men said, "Well, if there's a lot of texting going on, actually, they were worried the relationship wasn't going so well because it meant <gasps> you, had to, you know you had to you had to discuss a lot of things." And oh, so, because there's like so com- not as much in-person connection, maybe, so you have to like do it and in- or that it's high maintenance. You know yeah. that like oh, it's taking a long time to to get to. To, to communicate here. And so it's very different approaches, oh, no. right? That the bias for women is more communication is good and the bias for men is more communication is 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 a headache or bad or, you know, not reflective of things going well. And so that's really interesting, right? Because that's a situation of no win if you're in a yeah. heterosexual relationship. So um, I, I think that um, that, you know, it's worth testing some of these assumptions again with the person that you're with. Oh, that's one we talk about all the time because people all the time will say, well, they text me all the time, but they're not asking me to go on a date or all this stuff. And we always say like the uh, the amount of texting does not indicate it's going somewhere. It it's like nothing. the number one thing we tell our female listeners. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. That was the one you picked. <laughs> yeah. This has been so fun. Unfortunately, we do have to start wrapping up. But, but uh, I'm curious if you could leave our listeners with one texting rule. You could make up a texting rule that they should follow. Uh, what rule would you make? So, so first off, I think early on, ask questions and, um, you know, remember to ask questions of people. And the second thing is if you're going to send a sensitive text, do read it aloud or, or at least try to think about how somebody else will, will see it and hear it in their own heads as they're reading it. And then, um, the last thing I would say is, generally speaking, people deserve a reply. So I do encourage you to not, not ghost unless you, unless there is a really good reason to not reply to somebody. I like that last one a lot. I like all your rules, but I like, I like that last one especially. Yeah. I love that. This was so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Yes, this was amazing. And, you know, we will, mention your book again, but, you know, speaking in thumbs, go check it out. We will, you know, link all of your uh, work in the show notes so everyone can check you out there as well. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on, Mimi. This was awesome. Bye. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.